bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. This week marks 24 years since the CDFI Fund was established through the Regal Community Development and Regulatory Improvement Act of 1994. The CDFI Fund administers a host of incentives, including the New Markets Tax Credit. And speaking of the CDFI Fund, three years ago this week, the CDFI Fund launched the new Awards Management Information System, or AMOS for short. I mentioned in the podcast two weeks ago that AMOS is fully implemented and it's now the sole system for all award recipient reports. I'll talk more in a bit on a new application in AMOS that relates to new market tax credit participants. Other topics we'll cover this week, the swearing-in of Charles Reddig as IRS Commissioner, a request for IRS guidance on energy investment tax credit technologies, a private activity bond issuance report, good news, and a new proposal for a distressed zone tax credit. Then I'll close with a HUD milestone, a significant milestone, a state loan compensating tax credit bill, as well as some announcements from the CDFI fund. So if you're ready, let's get started. So we'll start with IRS news. Next Monday, October 1st, Charles Reddig is scheduled to be sworn in as the 49th commissioner of the IRS. And I do expect he'll dive right in and take over after acting IRS Commissioner David Cotter, who will step back to his full-time job of Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy. Now, among other responsibilities, soon-to-be Commissioner Reddig will be in charge of implementing the tax law provisions enacted last year, which is no small task. And while we're on the topic of the IRS, I want to let you know that Senators Tim Scott of South Carolina, a Republican, and Democrat Michael Bennett of Colorado sent a bipartisan letter to the IRS last week requesting guidance on the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit. More specifically, the letter asked for clarification as to whether energy storage technologies would qualify for the investment tax credit if they're added to an existing ITC-eligible technology. Now, the IRS has previously recognized that energy storage technologies are eligible for the ITC when they're installed at the same time as ITC-eligible technologies. However, the IRS has not explicitly affirmed whether storage technologies are eligible when they're added to existing ITC-eligible technology. If the IRS confirms that add-on storage technology qualifies for the ITC, then the guidance could bolster, I would say would bolster, investment in energy storage. Now, the letter also requested that the IRS include its response in the IRS's 2018-2019 Priority Guidance Plan. Now let's turn to private activity bonds. We recently learned that 2017 was a record-setting year for the issuance of private activity bonds for multifamily and single-family uses. The Council of Development Finance Agencies found that the multifamily and single-family total bond issuance was $21 billion last year. That reflects an increase of $2.5 billion over 2016. This means for the fourth straight year, housing bonds accounted for at least 80% of all private activity bond issuances. More specifically, in 2017, housing bonds totaled 84.4%. 
Now, of that $21 billion in bond issuance last year, $15.3 billion was multifamily rental housing bonds. Now, these bonds are typically paired with 4% low-income housing tax credits, either for 100% of the project or, at a minimum, 20%. This $15.3 billion in multifamily rental housing bonds issued in 2017 reflects a $1.3 billion increase from the previous year. In 2017, the top issuers of multifamily housing bonds, well, they were California, Illinois, New York, Texas, and then Washington. Now, it's not too surprising that 2017 had a high level of bond issuance. At the end of last year, while we were facing near elimination of the ability to use private activity bonds for residential rental housing, that was as part of the tax reform package, all signals were pointing to another year of high bond usage. What we didn't know at the end of last year is whether the high bond usage would exceed the high bond usage of 2016 or simply approximate it. Well, now we know the volume of 2016 was exceeded. Now, a little bit more background. The initial House Republican tax bill last year would have eliminated the tax exemption for private activity bonds. You may recall that came out around November. That led many states to start taking action to prepare to issue as many bonds as they could in November and early December, or even by the end of December, on short notice in the event that the House Republicans were successful and private activity bonds were actually repealed effective to the end of last year. Now, thankfully, private activity bonds were retained in the Senate bill, and during the House-Senate negotiated final bill, bonds were also included. Many transactions that we are working on that have been primed to close the last part of 2017 ended up not closing and simply closed in the following year. But we did know a number of transactions did close, and obviously, given the large issuance levels in 2017, uh, a lot of other states and a lot of other advisors working on transactions had also closed. Probably means 2018 won't be quite the 2017 levels, but we'll have to wait and see. Needless to say, I'm very thankful that multifamily taxes and bonds were preserved in tax reform. I've said that before in prior podcasts. I've also noted that about half of all low-income housing tax credit homes are financed by multifamily tax and bonds annually. Now, if you have any questions about using multifamily bonds to finance development, I would encourage you to contact my partner, Thomas Stagg, in our Metro Seattle office. Also, we're working on a notes from the Overgatic blog post on the CDFA analysis, and that blog post should be available soon. And if you want a more comprehensive look at tax and bonds, check out the Novogratic Taxes and Bond Handbook. This handbook is a great resource to have on guidance, regulations, and recommended practices. I'll tweet a link to the book's product page on our website. Turning now to community development news, the CDFI Fund has a new and improved certification application for community development entities, or CDEs. The new updated application is now available in the Awards Management Information System, or AMIS. The new application is designed to be easier to complete and submit. CDE certification criteria and questions, they remain unchanged from the previous application form. Now, if you'd like any assistance in applying to be certified as a CDE, please contact my partner, Brad Elfick, in our Metro Atlanta office or another Novogratic partner in an office near you. Also, be sure to register for the upcoming Novogratic 2018 New Markets Tax Credit Fall Conference. It's being held in Austin, Texas. It's coming up October 18th and 19th. I'll tweet the registration link 
and I'll include it in today's show notes. Next, I wanted to briefly mention a bill that was recently introduced in Congress that would create a federal tax credit for certain business expenses in qualifying census tracts. Now, to be eligible, the census tract would have to meet one of three definitions for an economically distressed zone. Either A, the tract had pervasive poverty, that means a poverty rate of at least 20% since the 1990 decennial census, or a poverty rate of at least 35%, or be so designated by the Secretary of the Treasury and the Secretary of Commerce. Now, specifically, the bill would provide a 40% tax credit for wages and benefits in such a zone, a 40% credit for the depreciation amortization allowances for distressed zone property, and a 30% tax credit for services or tangible property purchases from an unrelated person in an economically distressed zone. Now, the bill is entitled the Economic Development Act for Distressed Zones of 2018. The lead sponsor is resident commissioner of Puerto Rico, Jennifer gonzalez Collin. Now, the co-sponsor is Democrat Benny Thompson of Mississippi. The bill has no other co-sponsors at this time, and it's certainly a long way from getting a vote. But I mentioned the proposal as a way to highlight different approaches to community development. I'll provide a link to the bill in today's show notes. Now, turning to other news, the HUD Rental Assistance Administration Program, or RAD, reached a pretty significant milestone last week. What was it? HUD Secretary Ben Carson said that the program has preserved 100,000 public housing apartments. He made that announcement at an event in Austin, Texas. As you know, the RAD program gives public housing authorities the option of using private investment to recapitalize public housing properties. The 100,000 mark is an early measure of success. The program is currently authorized to preserve up to 455,000 homes, and there are about 300,000 homes waiting to be closed. Novogratz did recently release a booklet on the program, a booklet that covers the basics of RAD and helps participants navigate the program. I'll include a link to the booklet in today's show notes. Also, we do have our affordable housing conference coming in January that will have a focus on RAD. Go to our events website for more details. Now, turning to other affordable housing news, the Government Accountability Office released its report, its long-awaited report on development costs for low-income housing tax credit properties. We talked about this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago when a similar report was issued by Apt Associates. Well, the GAO report showed a slightly higher per-development cost than the earlier report. That difference is mostly attributable to two factors. The APT report included the cost of 4% low-income housing tax credit properties, as well as properties in all states. The GAO report only focused on 9% developments and in only 10 states, states that did include some of the highest-cost cities in the nation. Now, I've included a link to the report in today's show notes. Let's turn now to state legislation. Legislation was recently introduced in Pennsylvania to create a state low-income housing tax credit. Now, the Pennsylvania bill was introduced by 12 members of the state Senate, and if passed, the credit would largely mirror the federal low-income housing tax credit. There would be an annual cap of $10 million, and the credit would be claimed over five years. Now, if the bill passes, Pennsylvania would become the 16th state with an affordable housing tax credit. I'll keep you posted on the progress of this legislation. 
And my last news item is actually two news items. I have updates on a couple of programs offered by the CDFI Fund. First, the CDFI Fund announced the issuance of $150 million guarantee under the CDFI Bond Guarantee Program. This guarantee is to the Community Reinvestment Fund on behalf of Clearinghouse CDFI. Now, the CDFI Bond Guarantee Program is designed to provide low-cost capital or incent low-cost capital for economic growth and community revitalization. Now, secondly, the CDFI Fund granted more than $200 million in awards to 302 CDFIs. These awards were made through the CDFI Financial Assistance, Technical Assistance Program, and Native American CDFI Assistance Program. Both of those programs enable CDFIs to increase lending and investment activity in low-income and economically distressed areas. Congratulations to the 302 winning CDFIs. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I'm going to be on the road the next couple of weeks. I'm going to spend the latter part of this week at our historic tax credit conference in Nashville, Tennessee. There's still time to register if you want to join us. Just go to our events page. And then the beginning of next week, I'll be in New Orleans for our Opportunity Zones conference. Now, that conference is sold out. That is, it's sold out for in-person attendance though you can still watch part of the conference online live. I'll include a registration link in today's show notes. And then the latter half of next week, I'll be in New Orleans for our Low Income Housing Tax Credit Conference. That conference still has registration available. Go to our events webpage. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.